Here to set you free. How you doing? I'm Leslie Marshall. Happy uh, Monday and welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy in talk radio of for and by you, the people. This is Monday. I am so glad to be back. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was gone for a week on my kids' spring break, which I don't always take off and my husband doesn't, but we did. And while I was on vacation, many of you know that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer a very aggressive, rapidly advancing breast cancer. And they just got her into that operating room last week. They cut out the cancer, and we were waiting today for the pathology report. I am pleased to announce that not only was it stage one, but I am pleased to announce, but the doctor said they got it 100%. They said they're going to do radiation for a couple of weeks just as a precautionary measure, but they really said technically they could even say you are cancer-free. They'll do the radiation. She gets mammograms every six months, um, you know, after that. But I'm just so... I have to say thank you to all of you that for your thoughts and your prayers. Thank you to all of you that sat in for me last week and helped make the show possible when I couldn't be here and I was originally supposed to be here. And and thank you to all the people out there who have given money to breast cancer research. And uh, th- this is what this is why it's a game changer. If you get diagnosed with breast cancer today, you have like a ninety-eight. or something like our temperatures percent uh, percent chance of surviving and if you catch it early so ladies self-breast exams essential men and women every woman in your life uh, needs to have a mammogram once a year thank you to the affordable care act that we can you know have that access for so many people and i just want to say thank you so much my mother is one of that majority percentage uh just thank you across the board i just got this news Uh, within the past hour. So just thank you, thank you, thank you. I am also thankful for people who do so much out there. In an election year, we have highlighted so many issues. Income inequality, the need for um, a a minimum wage increase, that it's not a living wage. And also we have a need not only for job creation, but to bring jobs back to America. And, And not just those jobs, but the quality of the jobs and the quality that you receive from those jobs as in pay, and as in benefits, and there are so many individuals out there that come under the guise of that umbrella union, one of which is Fred Redmond. Fred is International Vice President of Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers, at USW. More than a pleasure to have him back. He's been on the show many times before, and he's going to teach us and share with us some things that we have heard about uh, in light of uh, this election, some new rules that have come about, and whether these are good or bad. Fred Redmond joins us, International VP of Human Affairs for the USW. Mr. Redmond, thank you for joining us. Welcome back. Good to have you with us on this Monday, sir. Well, thank you, Leslie. I'm uh, glad to be back. I'm um, very happy to hear about the news uh, regarding your mother. That is good news. My wife has been a uh, she's been a survivor now for over 20 years, so I'm very familiar with that disease, and I'm glad that everything looks very positive for your mother. We'll keep her in our prayers. Thank you very much, Mr. Redmond. And interestingly enough, Mr. Redmond, you uh, gave something that I just found. In the past week and a half, almost, almost every single person I've talked to either knew somebody with breast cancer, or it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my wife, my mother, my daughter, we're a survivor. Oh, my God, my wife was just diagnosed. It's just amazing how many uh, women, how many people, men too, uh, by the way, can get breast cancer, That's right. are, are affected with this uh, disease. And we're just so blessed to be part of a society um, that has the uh, education, the money, the technology, and people that really fight hard to find a cure. So that's awesome. And so glad to hear about your wife, Mr. Redman. Uh, I, I hope that she is uh, in that position that she's been in the past 20 years, you know, until uh, 
and, and, until the last day of her life. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's talk about something that happened last week when the U.S. Sure. Labor Department announced new rules, and these new rules are to protect workers who have been, over the past 30 years, forced out of secure, defined benefit pensions. And these people, many of which have been pushed into very risky uh, plans, these are 401k plans, and also uh, IRAs. So let's talk about this uh, new rule that was unveiled April 6th, the new fiduciary rule on financial mm-hmm. advisors that the Labor Department set up and why they why they did this. Uh, first of all, um, was this necessary in light of the fact that pensions and any kind of retirement plans, especially for union workers, have been demonized over the past few years? Well, it was absolutely necessary, uh, Leslie. When we look at the number of uh, workers who have been excluded from uh, normally defined pension benefit plans, when we look at the number of workers that's been moved in the 401ks and IRAs, um, what the new rule will do, uh, financial advisors will have to inform uh, their clients of any commissions and employed conflicts where uh, what's been happening is they have been putting workers in accounts with pays a uh, lower amount of yield on their account uh, in exchange for the advisors getting larger commissions. So what the new rule will do is intended to do is to put the clients first as opposed to the uh, amount of commissions that the financial brokers will get. So it's much needed. I mean, it's, it's an irony that uh, so many workers are under these plans now that's at the whim of the stock market as opposed to the defined pension benefit plans. But in light of the number of workers that are moved out of these guaranteed plans, we think that the new rule put in by the Labor Department last week was absolutely necessary. So that people understand this is, in a sense, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, puts the reins on and sets limits on the brokers and, and more so their financial advice for people saving for these retirements for their future, like most people hope to be able to do. Right, right. And, um, you know, the problem is, is that uh, defined pension benefit plans, which are guaranteed pension plans, this, um, you know, is that the worker is not relying on the stock market. I mean, overall plans are invested in funds, but uh, they're mandated by the government where, um, you know, those funds have to be guaranteed by the companies that they work for. And under the defined pension benefit plans, uh, I mean, today we only have 13% of private sector workers who have these defined pension benefit plans, and that's down from 46% of workers that was covered by these plans in 1980s. These were guaranteed plans, but as we've seen the decline in manufacturing jobs, jobs being shipped overseas, then employers stopped investing in the defined pension benefit plans and steered people to these 401ks and these IRAs, which, uh, you know, you at the whim of the stock market, and the money is invested through these financial managers who uh, haven't always put the workers' interests ahead of their own best interests in regards to commissions.
And there are people out there that were, you know, definitely, um, you know, ahead of the game and pushing for this. Senator Elizabeth Warren, a Democrat from Massachusetts, right. uh, was a huge supporter of this, of course. Uh, and, you know, how, how many of us love her, whether you're Bernie or Hillary Democrat. Uh, Labor Secretary right. Thomas Perez, uh, just incredible. He's done an incredible job as Labor Secretary and continues to. And this is just an, another point. And Senator Cory Booker, a great Democrat from the great state of New Jersey, um, you know, also, you know, a part of that. And I think it's important that we point out who some of these players are so that Americans do remember that when they go to vote in November. I don't see any R's here, Mr. Redman. No R's whatsoever. Um, when you look at the financial disclosure forms of where a lot of this money into politics is coming from, then we find that a lot of these corporations who um, offer these plans and these money managers and these hedge fund managers have been big contributors to the Republican Party. Uh, look, this 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 rule have been discussed for the past year. There's been a lot of opposition to it, primarily by the Republican uh, Party and investors from Wall Street and uh, money managers. But uh, you know, look, it got through. But the thing about it is, is that uh, CEOs is not you know this thing don't affect CEOs whatsoever. You know, because they have specialized uh, funds in terms of, you know, how most of your CEOs in this country get their pension funds. Uh, there's, there's, they still use the defined pension benefit plans. And, um, you know, so this is definitely uh, was targeted strictly at workers, primarily in private sectors. It's amazing because when you talk about those uh, corporations uh, that mm -hmm. have these CEOs, they have parachutes, golden parachutes inside their parachutes, inside their parachutes. Absolutely. And, and, and certainly don't even need any kind of retirement plan. I mean, they just, you know, make enough money that they could have just stuck, you know, money under the mattress. And, you know, there, how many people out there are probably not just wealthy enough for their lifetime, but a generation or two. And that's not the case for the average worker. They struggle. They're concerned, will Social Security be here? And even with Social Security here, even if you make a ton of money, the way it's distributed now, that, that you know, uh, percentage, it's just not enough to live on for some folks, e even if their mortgage is paid off. When you look at, you know, taxes and, you know, electric bills, car payments, even for some, you, even though you, you know, may have Medicare as an example, that covers 80% of your, med you know, medical benefits, but you still need to, you know, come up with uh, money for a secondary 20% of that secondary uh, insurance to, you know, cover the entire gap 100% to cover yourself fully. Um, so, you know, people forget that, oh, you know, because I know my, my mom retired recently, she has no mortgage, yeah. and there are, pe there, mm -hmm. you know, people in my family that even said, well, you know, I don't. I don't understand why she's, you know, frightened, uh, you know, and she and, and she's frightened like most Americans because the future is a lot more expensive than most of us would would understand and anticipate without an income. No, you're exactly right, and you know, most most workers, uh, uh, particularly workers out in the private sector, they're people that go to work every day, play by the rules, you know, pay their taxes, and they're introduced to these retirement mechanisms through 401ks and. And, and and IRA instruments and you know but 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 what they do is Leslie they invest their money and they assume that the individuals and the firms investing their money is operating under some sort of ethical and legal standards you know the same way a family doctor would someone who 
is obliged to provide the very best service and give them the very best advice that they can. But these brokers are generally required only to recommend suitable investments, which means, for example, that they can push a more expensive mutual fund that pays a higher commission to them when an otherwise identical cheaper fund would have been an equal or better alternative. So that's why this 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 law and what the Department of Labor did last week was so critical because there's so much worker money that's tied up into these funds and people are expecting to retire with indignity and so many dollars have been lost as a result of bad money managers. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have other issues uh, or within this issue to talk about. Um, but uh, I also want to talk about the opposition from Wall Street that have some of those major golden parachute type folks at the top. We'll be back with our guest here from the United Steelworkers, Mr. Fred Redman, who is International Vice President of Human Affairs for the USW. Pick up the phone and join us. Three more segments in this hour, 888 leslie 888-653-7543. On Twitter, follow the USW at USW Blogger, that's for President Leo Gerard, and for the Steelworkers at Steelworkers. The website for the USW is USW.org. Check that out while we take this quick break and back to you and our guests right after this. Mr. Fred Redmond, International VP for Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers. Follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers and follow President Gerard at USW Blogger. Their website is USW.org. Mr. Redmond, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We're talking about a few things, one of which is the new fiduciary rule on financial advisors that was unveiled April 6th. Uh, uh, more on this. Um, the rule that originated from uh, the U.S. Department of Labor and our great labor secretary drew stiff opposition from Wall Street. And, you know, obviously, like you said, Mr. Redman, it's not going to affect these rich folks at the top on Wall Street. But it could reshape how brokers earn their commissions, which the CEOs at the top skim off the top of and take a, you know, take a portion of. It also right. can restrict their ability to sell some higher fee products. So... Uh, at the, the the bottom line is it could affect their and their brokers' bottom lines by affecting commissions and uh, the restriction on being able to sell some of their higher fee products. Yeah, well, I mean, brokers will still be able to collect uh, uh, commissions, but they have to be more transparent under this new rule. And they also have to uh, uh, show the client where there's comparable accounts for a cheaper price, uh, you know, in regardless to their commissions. So, I mean, you know, the brokers can still make commissions, but what the law is designed to do most, Leslie, is to um, have safeguards in place where a broker cannot uh, give his employer, I'm sorry, give his client, him or her client, the best sound legal advice, 
you know, by by uh, doing so, uh, in order to amass more, um, um, you know, commissions for themselves. So this is about transparency. Um, it's about brokers putting their commissions before the uh, sound financial advice to their clients. And you know we'll 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 see how it works, but uh, you know the brokers by no means are going to be uh, hurting from this because with the number of four hundred one ks and IRAs that's out there, there's still a business where on uh, just regular commissions, these folks will still do pretty well. And when we're talking about money, one of the reasons that the, the, the president, you know, uh, did this, the Labor Department put this forth and, and the president agreed, is that the estimation by the president's administration said that the cheating, self-dealing and conflicts of interest by financial advisors for these 401k accounts and the mm-hmm. IRAs has actually cost workers 17 billion with a B dollars a year. And that 17 billion could be 17 billion more in workers' retirement accounts. And we're not talking about across the board. We're talking about annually every year, right? That's right. That's right. Every year there's 17 billion dollars that could have been uh, given to workers in their individual accounts. And, and look, that was done by comparisons of uh, similar accounts at similar costs to buy in um, over the accounts that was recommended by these brokers. And the estimates showed that uh, this $17 billion was generated because they referred their clients to accounts that generated more commissions for them. But then when you look at the accounts that the workers could have had access to, and uh, the the accounts that were sold by the brokers, then the accounts in in, in 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 a lot of cases, you know, have done as equal as the accounts that the brokers sold, if not better. But what we're looking at is seventeen billion dollars in um, uh, interest to workers in the form of commission that could have been used to buy bigger shares of those accounts. So I mean, you know, it, it was it was literally a situation where the brokers, in a lot of cases, were not looking out for their clients, but was looking out for their own commissions. And that seventeen billion that had been reported could have been used by the workers to invest more into their individual accounts. That's correct. We're going to be back with Mr. Redmond, and we'll talk more about this problem uh, that now will be customers first and not putting it in their own pocket pockets for those working on Wall Street first. We'll be back with Mr. Redmond. International VP of Human Affairs for the USW. Leslie Marshall and our guest Fred Redmond. He's been on the show a number of times. More than a pleasure to have him with us. I always learn something when he's on. International VP of Human Affairs for the USW, the United Steelworkers. Mr. Redmond, thank you for holding uh, and sure. a welcome back. Um, so that p- folks know who have just tuned in, um, we're talking about a new law um, that would put customers first. And you might say, well, why did why did we need this for retirees and those seeking financial advice? The problem was that the financial advisors on Wall Street, like the brokers, were steering workers to put their 401k money and their IRA money into accounts that were low-yield accounts. And what that did is 
It provided big commissions for the, quote, advisors, but it didn't do much or help uh, the growth of the money for those people putting their money in. So the uh, signs in the broker's window said clients first, but really it was clients cheated first. So under the new rules, advisors will have to inform clients of any commissions, and they will also have to avoid such conflicts of interest. And financial advisors will be required under law to place the best interest of the client above the personal financial gain of the advisor. Uh, This is an example of why we need regulation from our government in, in so many areas that deal with people's money, especially money that they've earned and, you know, worked hard and, you know, are socking away. And, you know, seriously, think about it. Most working men and women don't know the market. I don't know the market. And I'm looking to that financial advisor for that financial advice and, and you trust, just like when you go to a doctor and they say, take this pill. Yes, have the surgery. Don't have the surgery. Um, it's, it's a shame we even had to have this come into place, Mr. Redmond. But, you know, it is, it is necessary because not, not all of us, you know, went to school and have degrees in, in accounting and finance. No, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, the beauty of the defined pension benefit plan is, you know, there was a guaranteed amount of savings. People don't get rich off of these things, Leslie. Defined pension benefit plans, uh, working people do not get rich off of them. But what it did was it provided employees with the safety net, in most cases, to uh, subsidize Social Security, which averages $1,233 a month. And, uh, you know, these plans were protected by the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Uh, They were insured. And, uh, you know, workers had an opportunity to work 30 or 40 years and retire and get these defined pension benefit plans to subsidize their Social Security and live with some retirement dignity. But here, since these plans have been under attack and uh, companies have been eliminated, um, now we're turning workers over the 401k plans, and then we have downturns in the market like we went through in, uh, starting in 2007 and 2008, and employees see their accounts dwindling. You're exactly right. They don't have the knowledge to know, should I get out of this and go to a mutual fund? Should I go into a bond fund? Should I, should I you know, go to the Standard & Poor's 500 index funds? They just don't have that sort of knowledge. And this is where they depend on the brokers and depend on the money managers to, you know, manage those accounts in the best interest of their savings. And um, unfortunately, that hasn't been happening. So we hope that the new rule will put some accountability into this marketplace in order to protect uh, workers' pension, pension funds. Because when you have the um, uncertainty of the future ahead of you, Uh, this should be one less area that you should lose sleep over at night, right? I mean, you know, people, there's a reason that it has been and continues to be referred to as the golden years. I think a lot of people feel that, hey, you're supposed to be able to take a deep breath, relax, not have to worry about punching a clock and working nine to five and maybe, you know, break out those, uh, those dusty golf clubs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the reality, you know, today is, is that, you know, we're living in a, in a, um, era now where the government accountability office shows that 29 percent of workers approaching retirement age you know which they consider between age 50 and 65 have neither a pension nor retirement savings in a 401k and individual retirement accounts um you know and 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 we believe this is because a lot of workers have walked away from these 
sort of uh, investment accounts because there's a lack of understanding of exactly how much, uh, uh, you know, how much these uh, accounts yield because of the fluctuation in the markets. And, uh, you know, a lot of employees opt out from contributing into these accounts because they have no knowledge as to, you know, where to place their money and what kind of accounts to open. This took um, a year uh, to make that slogan from We Put Our Customers First, as uh, Labor Mm -hmm. Secretary Thomas E. Perez said, uh, to uh, being the law, and it is now the law. But there are also people that, you know, say, look, this has set off one of the biggest upheavals in the financial services industry in decades. So do you think these new regulations are going to be challenged in court? We've already heard about one big firm seeking legal representation. Um, Is that what's going to happen? This seems to be the way that things go any time somebody doesn't like what the oh, government decides via the law. Challenge. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, enforcement is going to be an issue, too, in terms of, um, you know, holding the money managers accountable and to get accurate um, reporting mechanisms in place. But this is a start. But we still got a long way to go. But when you look at some of the corporations that's uh, engaged and have, or have been engaged in the lobbying against the uh, regulation. I mean, you're talking about some big Fortune 500 companies like Honeywell, CVS. You're looking at companies like Comcast. And, you know, I don't mind calling them out, but there's a whole list of giants in this business who, um, you know, depend on the on the market and depend on CEO compensation. You know, and a lot of the, the changes to the average worker going from, and a lot of the savings that's been generated by uh, companies going from the fire pension benefit plans to these contribution plans for their workers have generated in savings where we see CEO and corporate compensation have been dramatically increased on behalf of those savings that they have made on behalf of their workers who, have, who they have pushed into these funds. So there's going to definitely be some challenges, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. And that's why this election is so important, because there's issues like this that have a tendency to slip by the average worker and the average American. And a very good point, because, you know, uh, you, you have to look at our, 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 our labor secretary, Thomas E. Perez, you know, who's mm-hmm. his boss, right, and who... Uh, decided that, you know, he would be appointed to his position, and and, and that's essential um, because, you know, you can have a fantastic Secretary of Labor like Thomas E. Perez, but to, if you didn't have a president like President Obama that thought, you know what, customers first need to become the law and not just a slogan, which is what the Labor Secretary felt. These th- There are a lot of benefits here, but there are two clear benefits, and I think some people may look at just one benefit, which is monetary. Certainly, like you talk about the $17 billion could be in retirement c- accounts, and that alone is, is, mm-hmm. is glorious. But also the way information is delivered will be changed. And that right. is key because I think that will give people not only a better understanding of what they're doing with their money, but a feeling more that they're really in control of their decisions, which with this decision, this law, maybe has woken a lot of people up to the fact that, that they perhaps didn't. Yeah, and, and, and um, you know, this is where the enforcement is going to have to come in. And the enforcement mechanism will be the Department of Labor. And the thing that people really need to grasp regarding this, Leslie, is this is the first step 
in terms of protecting retirement security for ordinary working Americans. And the enforcement is left up to a progressive uh, uh, Secretary of Labor like Tom Perez. I, I just don't feel comfortable that a Donald Trump or a Cruz would appoint a Secretary of Labor who would really, really follow through and enforce this sort of regulation that's going to that, that is being challenged by so many Fortune 500 companies. So we'll have to wait and see. But there's another reason why this election is so important. I I, ag- I agree. Uh, let let me ask you um, another question. And mm-hmm. this has some stats here. Only about 13 percent of private sector workers have defined benefit pensions now. That is down from 46% in 1980. And the number now is back down to where it was just, you know, 40 years before that, 1940. And that was before workers got organized in labor unions and held thousands of strikes to improve their pay and benefits. Isn't this, Mr. Redmond, the absolute perfect example of why America needs to be strengthening unions as opposed to letting radical right-wing governors push right-to-work bills that only weaken the unions? Absolutely, Leslie. And, and, and one of the reasons for that, uh, well, the main reason for that decline have been right-to-work laws that's been pushed in the states, whereas, uh, you know, uh, U.S. manufacturers, you know, they're not only competing uh overseas with 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 different countries they're also competing within states within the United States and uh you know what we find is is that um you know when we go into contract negotiations we try to secure these accounts for uh you know future workers and workers coming into the workforce is that there's been a huge resistance by companies who just flat out refuse to uh, continue with these programs. And, you know, because of right-to-work bills, you know, we don't have the density uh, within the workforce anymore to really push back. Uh, you know, when we say, we, you know, in, in, in some cases it's been difficult for us to even make a threat of withholding our labor to really fight for these plans because the competition through right-to-work laws have been so exacerbating that, uh, you know, there just haven't been the uh, density or the strength of the union to really, really make this issue of pension as a major bargaining issue over the last few years. So we've been getting beat at the bargaining table by companies who are wanting to switch from their defined pension benefit plans into these sort of uh, contribution plans such as 401Ks. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate enough that 13% of folks who, who still have these pension plans typically represent longer-term workers, workers with, uh, you know, that's on the verge of retirement age. We have fault to maintain uh, some pension plans for them. But at every bargaining table we go to, there's a... There's a fist pounding on the table from these corporations that they will no longer in these circumstances continue to define pension benefit plans. We're going to take a break and we'll be back. One more segment if you want to join us here on the only True Democracy in Talk Radio, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Mr. Fred Redman, International Vice President of Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers, is our guest, the USW, and we're talking about a new fiduciary rule on financial advisors. It was unveiled April 6th. Customers first won't just be a motto of Wall Street. It is now the law. We'll be back after this. 
Leslie Marshall, The Simple Truth in a Complicated World. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Vice President of Human Affairs for the USW, the United Steelworkers, and we are talking about a new law that will not only protect workers, but protect workers who are putting their money into IRAs and 401ks who need advice from people on Wall Street like brokers. Brokers can't advise them to put into an account that isn't going to benefit the investor and just the broker, the advisor, uh, but all involved. Brokers get their commission, but instead of having something that's going to be less than a percentage point or a percentage point lower uh, than that what they could have had growth-wise or no growth, uh, this will benefit the workers. We're looking at $17 billion a year approximately that's being put back uh, into perhaps the pockets or 401ks and IRAs of the American worker per year, and that is obviously a very good thing. Mr. Redmond, thank you for holding, and, and welcome back. Um, sure. The amount a worker can put into his or her 401k is limited, right? Uh, it's uh, $24,000 a year for workers that are over 50 years of age. That's uh, correct. By contrast, there is no limit on what CEOs can sock away tax-free in their super special retirement accounts that you had alluded to those accounts earlier. The 100 biggest CEO retirement funds add up to $4.9 billion, with a B, dollars. How can this be happening in America? I mean, it kills me that there's any backlash to this law uh, whatsoever. When you look at that $4.9 billion number, when you look at no limit uh, on the money that these CEOs can sock away in their tax-free super special retirement accounts. Yeah, well, they have, uh, Yeah, and, and, and those numbers are exactly correct, uh, uh, Leslie. But, uh, you know, CEO retirement assets have just ballooned. Um, CEO pay has below, and executive have uh, they stuffed a lot of uh, their salary and deferred compensation. Um, well, what, what they put a lot of money into these deferred compensation accounts, and uh, one reason for the explosion of these sort of accounts and executive pay is because of the money that they have saved uh, by changing the the rules. You know, for going from the fired benefit to the fired contribution plans for their employers. But look, you're absolutely right. There's no cap on the amount of money that these um, high price deferred pension plans for CEOs can, you know, there's no limit on how much money uh, can be accumulated in those plans. They either put it in as direct compensation or they put it in as uh, deferred compensation. And then they also have access to uh, stock options. Uh, you know, this also can be uh, figured into these accounts when it comes to CEO corporate pay. So, look, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's no rules here. There's no rules here in terms of the amount of money that can be invested by two or three different mechanisms for CEO pay. And as you stated, employees' uh, contributions in these accounts are limited to $2,400 a year. It's a rigged system. It's a uh, rigged system where uh, the pension 
plans that guaranteed workers retirement security. No, nobody got rich. You know, no workers ever got rich, but they was able to live a retirement dignity. They have been a move over the past few years. I mean, well, well, ever since 1981, Leslie, when you know we went through this whole thing when unions was. Um, given the red light, I mean, I'm sorry, when companies were given the red light to attack unions because of Ronald Reagan's attack against PACO, uh, the the issue of pension compensation and pension costs to CEOs have been constantly reduced as this attack against pensions for ordinary Americans have, uh, you know, it's been a thing that's coming to that have came to fruition, but it's been something that's been in the works for the last 20 years. And today we see that, uh, as you stated, CEOs are just making enormous, enormous pension, um, you know, creating enormous pension funds for CEOs. Uh, Leo Girard, uh, the president of the USW, your boss, he writes a beautiful blog every week for Huffington uh-huh. Post. Very informative and, and, you know, just shoots from the hip. It is, the latest one is, entitled Pensions for CEOs Only. And this is what he wrote. Grandma skips meals. Her house is always cold. She barely skims by, subsisting on just Social Security because of a bunch of pension-killing CEOs and self-dealing financial advisors. To that money we were talking about, the $4.9 billion. So we put this in perspective. That $4.9 billion is equal to the entire retirement savings account of 41% of American families. 50, right. 50 million families, 116 million people. Now, because the CEOs don't pay taxes on all of that money, workers make up the difference, and workers must pay more taxes because CEOs pay less. So Americans absolutely have the right to be angry about this nation's income inequality, right, Mr. Redmond? That's right. That's right. And, and, and Leo, in his blog, and I would encourage uh, your listeners to uh, go to Huffington and look it up, but Leo really puts this put an example out there that people could relate to. And he, he, he refers to a company called McKesson Corporation, which is a good example. They froze their employee pension plan in 1996. They started a 401k for their employees. And, you know, since 1996, um, these employees have been in the 401k plan. Now, this is one of the best plans around. That since 1996, the average McKesson employee has about $83,000 in a 401k plan. Now, that's nearly seven times what the typical American worker has saved their retirement. And this will give the McKesson employee a monthly check of $472 to help pay the heating bill and help offset his Social Security, which is uh, a pittance compared to what these same employees was getting on the deferred pension benefit plan. But then when you look at the amount of money that's projected for the CEO and the amount of money that's being socked in the pension plan for the CEO, John Hemmingren, then his pension is expected to be $819,000. What? Um, unbelievable. Mr. Redmond, we are out of time. I can't believe how fast time goes when you guys are on the show, especially you, President Gerard, and others from the USW. Mr. Redmond, Fred Redmond is International Vice President of Human Affairs for the United Steelworkers, the USW. Follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers. Follow President Gerard at USW Blogger and read his great Huffington Post blogs. The website for USW is USW.org.